Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Press Play Lifestyle Inspired Podcast, where we do interviews with lovely folks like Miss Emily here. Say hi, Emily. Hi. On topics for our listeners, that's you, to find the resources, tools, and support they need to be their best inspired selves. And in this case, their best inspired parents of Little Mavericks. So hi, Emily. How are you today? I am super stoked to be talking to you about our little Mavericks. (laughs) I love it. I love it. So um, I remember Maverick from Top Gun. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And I think if I say that, it does probably date me a bit, but. um, Well, it's funny because it's, there's two different, when I first came up with the name, I asked people, I, I said, you know, what does the word Maverick mean to you? And usually it's the men that will say Top Gun. And the moms would say, or the women would say, a really bad kid. <laughs> oh, like, no. I, I know it's kind of funny. And I'm like, it kind of, like, whatever. It's like somebody that's got a lot of uh, gusto. But the original story, um, can I tell you the background on the map? Please, please tell us the story. So, and then introduce yourself, so- too. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you this, the Maverick story. So the original Maverick is, Sam, I think it was Samuel E. Maverick, and he was a rancher, and he decided he wasn't going to brand his cows. So he said, if you find a cow that doesn't have a brand on it, it's a Maverick cow. So that's the idea of sending our kids out into the world unlabeled and unbranded so they can really go out into the world authentically and become who they are, you know, have that amazing human experience and grow without the restrictions of labels. So my name is Emily Goudreau. I have How to Raise Maverick podcast, and I teach parents how to empower and protect their kids from sexual abuse and pornography, everyone's favorite P word. (laughs) It's one of my favorite P words. There's a bunch of other P words (laughs) in there too that are all in that category that I never thought of that way before. Thanks for that. Yeah, thanks. Just send you down that little rabbit hole. That's what I do. Um, so, so really interesting, I guess, timely, maybe interestingly, I have four small humans and they're six, eight, 10 and 14. Ooh. And I'm a computer programmer by trade. So I spent 20 years in technology and um, my husband is techie. He is a CFO for a long time. And uh, I kind of thought we just had it covered because I know how to use tech, right? You're not getting over on me. I know how to get into all the social media platforms. When TikTok came around, I knew about it right away. You know, I knew about, um, I'm on this. Yeah. So I was like, I've got this, I've got this. Right. And then my teenage daughter started acting more weird than normal because, you know, she's already her amazing, wonderfully unique self. (laughs) Wonderfully weird already. Yeah. She's wonderfully weird. She even said like her name is, she's like very awesome as part of, I'm like, yeah, you definitely are very awesome. (laughs) Um, but she started being really quiet, mm. like really, really quiet and hiding in her room. And she's not a quiet kid. She's a redhead, flame, fiery, passionate kid. And I'm like, oh, we need to give her space because I'm, I'm, I'm not really helicoptery, even though I, we have a special daughter. So I work really hard not to be a helicopter parent because I don't want her, you know, I want her to have the dignity of risk and be able to make some of her own mistakes. But really weird, really weirdly acting. Mm -hmm. And then I'm in a plane headed off to go speak somewhere. And I get the phone call, right? You get it in the plane from another mom. 
and uh, without you know invading my daughter or her friend's privacy, there was some p words being used um, online, and oh. a bunch of people found out about them, right? And essentially, I was, and and my kids go to Catholic school, <laughs> so it was like so bad. <laughs> And then I'm like, sorry about that, but I'll get on a plane. I'm going to California. I won't be able to talk to you for four hours. And so my poor husband, it gets to like shoulder this responsibility. And we get home and there's all these things. And of course, I don't know if of course is the right answer, but he went the other way. Like then he was like freaked out because he's, yeah. he's dad, right? He's a dad. He locks everything down. Like I can't even get into the, the home router or anything. I'm like, um, what's happening? He's like, no one will ever. And I'm like, oh, okay. So there's gotta be a middle, right? There, and there's yeah. so many things I could have done different. Um, maybe been proactive, a lot of other things, but, um, how do other people not end up with the weird plain phone call that their kids in the office, because some special words are being trans transmitted over the internet. Okay. So here's the truth bomb. This is literally what I do every day is coach people through getting those calls. It happens all the time. So another, another aspect of this is kids will experience porn online, then they act it out on other kids, and then all of a sudden we have this, it's an atomic bomb. And we have kids who are underage touching other kids who are underage and kids are be being called perpetrators when they're really just acting out what they see. I mean, it, and parents, when I'm sure you felt it as well, when you hear it, your primitive brain is activated. All, anything to do with sex, your primitive brain is activated. Anything to do with sex and your kids, your brain just goes into complete overload. So here's what, here's what I'd like to do, because I know that there are people out there who are like, um, <coughs> this is happening me. to me. I'm not or, telling anyone, but it's me. Yeah. yeah. Or it could happen to you. And the number one thing that we can do is just chill out with our kids because in the sex abuse world, and I consider exposure to pornography sexual abuse because it's altering, it's impacting somebody's authentic sexuality. So in the sexual abuse world, 90% of survivors say that coming forward was more, not as, more traumatizing than the actual abuse. And that is 100% up to the, that's the responsibility of the parents and the authorities and everybody involved. But what happens is people lose their minds over it. Yeah. Number one thing you do, you collect data and this is not asking the kids. So you get this call, you say, okay, document what was said from who, when, who was there, all this stuff. When it comes to the kids, I don't want you to ask any questions at all because your, it sounds like maybe your situation didn't get to where it was too far. Like you might've. No, it turned out to be, soon. yeah, it turned out benign. Okay. Good. I'm going to go with that word. Um, and I think partly because I actually, um, I was, a, I was abused as a very young child 
And so I'm very sensitive to certain things. Um, so I didn't go that far with it. Like, mm -hmm. and they didn't see visual things. They were just talking above their pay grade. Um, <laughs> but, um, oh, modern day parenting, isn't it great? Yeah, it's fun. So I was just sort of, <laughs> but I was, but when you say like that, I would say my lizard brain kicked in because I was going to kill somebody because yep. the words that they were choosing to, to share with me about my child and the things they were saying about her, I was like, she's a little girl. She's right. like 13 years old. She's none of those. First of all, she literally goes to two places, school and home. That's it. So even if this stuff happened on the internet, it's something that was written online and no one touched, no one hurt, no one did anything. And the yeah. way you're choosing to speak about a little kid. So then I got mama bear. It was probably good. My husband was there because I was yeah. um, very upset, but not at, I'm like, girls are girl, kids are kids. Like they're going right. to say and do things. Yeah. Let's have a conversation later or in a different way, but not necessarily like jump on this so vehemently. But yes. man, I tell you, I was mad. <laughs> yeah, I, I kid you not. It's a, it, it's a very special time where you need to make sure that you isolate yourself while you process this. And um, the number one thing I say is write everything down. Um, and that includes your emotions. You have been seriously triggered. Somebody is, um, depending on what side you're on, somebody is potentially calling your child a perpetrator. Um, um, a, a sexual offender, you know, I mean, all of those words are being used. This is the part that scares me a lot about this is when the kids who have, you know, maybe they've seen stuff online, like every other kid, every single kid now is going to see it. If you haven't woken up to that possibility or that fact, you need to. Um, and then they're regurgitating it. And before being labeled victims, they're being labeled as perpetrators. And that is a very, very, very slippery, dangerous slope. Because here's here's the folk, here's the here's the folks, <laughs> here's the facts, folks. Mm -hmm. um, there is no limit on age to be put on the sex offender list. Fact. So you can be seven, act out something you saw on porn, and be put on the sex offender list. Um, the second fact is that kids over that that had incidences before the age of 18 do not go on to become sex offenders statistically. There is something, it is very different. It's a different mindset. It's a different behavior. They are not sexual predators. The other thing is if you get put on the sex offender list, list you can't get a job you can, and you're homeless. You can't go into a homeless shelter. Um, you can't live, you know, you're like, okay, I went to jail, whatever, or I want, I want to live with my family. I can't live with my family because I don't have any money because it's near school and they've got kids. They are, it is a life sentence that you, you can never come back from that. Yeah. We live in um, Wisconsin and Wisconsin's like very, very strict about a lot of these things. And um, like the flip side of that story is my, my older brother was 17 and his girlfriend was 15 and they lived together at her parents' house. She got pregnant. He turned 18 and went to jail. Oh, shoot. The state pressed charges. The parents <gasps> didn't because they were, he was living with them. And my brother went to jail for a very long time. 
and has been forever since listed as a sex Not offender, cool. like an underage sex offender. Right. And he's like someone underage cause he was 18 and she was 15. So it wasn't even ju- just that he was a predator, but he was a kid predator. And it, I, I will tell you, it altered the rest of his life. Yeah. It, there's, like there's no did. going back. There's no, that's a, it's a life sentence. And so then, and I had a cousin and on the bad side of that, he ended up going back to jail for actually being a predator. He could, he got out of jail. He, he couldn't go anywhere. His mom lived across the street from high school. Yeah. And there was no for him to go. The, there's like a multiple, the, the issue is, I mean, it is very complex, but what I will say I kind of want to get back to, because sure. I, I will go down that rabbit hole <laughs> I do all the time, is um, so if, if your kids are exposed to pornography, there's a situation, write down all the details. And this is a very, very important thing that I want everybody to know is do not ask them questions because A, you were totally ticked off. You're freaked out. You're not in the right state of mind to be doing this. And professionals who do the forensic um, investigations have been trained for years. Uh, Taking testimony from children is very, very difficult because if a question is leading in any way, did so-and-so touch you here? Boom, their mind has just created a formative memory of somebody touching them there. You will never get the truth. And at the end of the day, that's mostly what parents are freaking out about. They want to know exactly what happened. And the more you ask, the further away, and the more they pick up on the fact that what happened is severe, you're never going to know. You're never going to know. And if there was a sexual abuse situation, your questioning could actually hinder any kind of prosecution if need be. So you just got to zip your chops And like I said, this is what I do all day, every day is help parents undo the damage because they didn't zip their chops and you need to go immediately and get a play therapist. And the play therapist is going to tell you what comes up in that. And that is going to be factual information from the child brought out in a way that you can trust. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah. And the other thing is too, when you have two children involved, they are not perpetrators. They are not abusers. All that stuff needs to be, everybody needs to knock that off now because we want to protect the kids. Bottom line, we want to protect all of the kids and taking that, that and treating them like they're adults is not protecting the kids at all. Um, and it is our responsibility to protect them online. You know, a lot, it sounds like you're pretty on top of it and your husband's like super on top of it now. Um, he's, he's a little like paranoid, but I'm going to let him have it. Cause it, he could have that for now. It was a little scary, right? We like, we didn't expect. I, I think I'm on your husband's side on that because yeah. it's the risk is so high of them seeing pornography and like, let's have, let's have a, um, a little conversation about pornography. Cause a lot of us, I'm 40 plus when we were kids, pornography was Playboy and, you know, there's like two magazines and like your mom's VHS tape that she hid from you. Right. So you're most of the time. Yeah. You're like looking at pictures and people having sex. I, 
I hate to say it, but like, I wish we could have like a resurgence of that <laughs> because the violence that goes on in pornography online is what scares the bejeebies out of me is the mix, the psychological mix of sexual arousal while watching somebody hurt being someone. violated and hurt. And there's no doubt about it. Nobody can say they're like, oh, but that's some people's sexual preferences. No, it should not be. Rape is never an option for anyone ever. I don't care. You guys can hate on me all you want. <laughs> well, you know, the but you have to take a stand for something or you stand yes, for nothing, Yes, I stand right? against rape. Yeah. How could you not stand against <laughs> I'm not that, right? I'm that. Yeah. I'm knocking stuff off. That's yeah. okay. That's fine. I think, um, yeah, I'm... I'm I think he panicked a little and now every single website they have to open at one at a time. But I, we, we stood united either way, whether I was all in that far or not. Um, but I definitely think that the, the question thing is an interesting one that I didn't know. So it's good to know um, because we had a different incident. And so I'm going to ask your thought on it where we have a special needs child mm -hmm. and she's, interestingly verbal she's uh, autistic so she scripts movies to oh. communicate with you so like so the perfect it's it, she is very cool <laughs> she's like the coolest I was gonna say I, I kind of want to hang out with her that sounds awesome you totally do she's she's we all joke in the house and I don't think we're joking we're pretty sure she's the smartest one there <laughs> we just don't understand her so you know but she um she kept saying uh, where's the butt? Where's the butt? And we're like, first of all, where the heck did you even hear the word butt? You know, because, and, and then she's like poking everyone at the butt because we kept going, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? And then, then all of a sudden it's a butt. Well, she was talking about finding Nemo. Where's the boat? When they say, oh, look at the boat. And it was literally about a boat until we made it about a butt, right? Because we kept asking, because you like, kept hearing it, and you're like, oh. yeah, and I'm about ready to murder someone seriously. Like, I lost my bananas completely because someone hurt my kid, and she can't even tell me. I was like, ridiculous. Yeah, uh, but I can only imagine if we wouldn't have kept like, cause like going after it, she probably would have been like finishing the rest of the scene, and we would have realized it was the boat because that's her way, right? She would have kept going with the rest of the, the script of the story. So is there a different way, like, have you had that question, like specifically in terms of kids who are special or unique? Do you handle it the same way? Do you kind of? Yeah. Um, I think because it's, it's interesting. I mean, yes, there's, there's, when it comes to kids who have specific needs, there's such a spectrum because we have a lot, I mean, needless to say, neurodiversity is our like- Yeah, she's on the spectrum, world. so. Yeah. <laughs> well um, but there's sensory processing issues and, or, you know, experiences or ways of thinking where we have a hard time teaching consent or um, it's, it, I mean, it really depends, but I, I, I like the phrase, tell me more. And I don't know if she, if that would work for her, but instead of, you know, jumping off a cliff, be, just tell me more and trying to stay neutral. Now, here's one thing that is 
a, a really good lesson that I like to walk people through is a, it's grapes versus wine. So when we think of sexuality, we're going to think of or think of our sexuality. It's this amazing, incredible, expensive, unique bottle of wine <laughs> that has taken years of aging and different processes to get it to that state. Like the, think of all the things that have to go in to create wine. That is our sexuality, and we're going to keep the cork on that. And when we talk about kids, and we're, when we're interacting with kids, they're grapes. They're, they're not thinking like we are. It's a completely different thing. So kids, um, like playing with themselves or like touch it, potentially touching each other or whatever, they're, they're grapes. They're not... It, they do have sexuality, but it's just different. So a lot of times we get them mixed up. And I recently saw, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm trying to wean myself off Facebook, but recently there was a video of this um, drag king stripper with a little girl and he was stripping, she, he was stripping for the little girl in these like booty shorts. And I think what we all need to do is just remember that there is adult entertainment and there is entertainment for children. It's got nothing to do with the LGBTQ plus community. It's got nothing to be, do with dressing and drag. It's got everything to do with wine versus grapes. And right. Yeah. My kids are playing with like duckies and police cars and dinosaur figurines. Right. And I'm not playing with those. <laughs> it's yes. It's, it's like it's what's the right toy? What's the type of entertainment? Uh, yeah, that makes total sense. We I, there's just a very people are having a really hard time creating those very clear boundaries. That um, once kids are over the age of 18, they can do those things, and they, and then they they enter enter into the adult world. Until then, we don't invite them into. Um, to watch stripping situations. Um, I'm not a fan of people buying sex toys for their kids and stuff like that. Just let them become their own authentic self without you try, yeah, trying to like, curate that. That's experience. not where you teach them, right? Like parents' job isn't their first sexual experience. Yes. Can we, can we, <laughs> Shouldn't can be we, with your mom, right? Can we safely say... As I mean, I can say this as a 40 year old woman, I've gone through like a childhood, teenager. I don't ever want to know about my parents' sexuality. Yeah. I don't, I don't care how old you are. Nobody wants to know. Your teenager doesn't want to know. Your five-year-old doesn't want to know. Part of this becomes, the beginning of this becomes blurry when we're talking about, oh, you need to talk to your kids about sex. They're not talking about you having sex. Right. You're, you're educating them on more like logistics. Yes. And um, this becomes really blurry as well for people who have been abused because they feel like they really want to share their story with their child. And when that mm. energetically, we are so connected to our kids and even epigenically trauma can be transferred. And when we talk about things that have happened to us, they're wired to experience it as though it's happened to them. 
because we want to share like, oh, when you use a knife, when I used a knife and it cut my finger, they're like, oh, they imagine that and they feel it and hopefully they won't cut their finger with the knife. That's how they learn. Yeah. Yeah. So they really take it in and fully experience it. So a lot of times there's stories of kids who have really taken on their kids, their parent, I'm sorry, their parents' trauma, trauma. sexual trauma because of it's really oversharing. Yeah, I could see that because I mean, I'm, I'm in my mid forties and um, had a really odd experience with my mom a couple years ago that I never knew, but I think I always knew like one of those things. Right. And my mom told me that she um, was forced to have an abortion at 13 oh. and, and described it in details that I won't hurt anyone else's heart with. And, and she recently told you this. I was, yeah, she recently told me that she's okay with me sharing. She wanted yeah. people to know now, but she literally had never said it to anyone in her whole life. She's in her sixties. She'd never talked about wow. it to anyone. And the first person she told was me and I'm like super sensitive. Right. And I'm like, I'm devastated. I was just devastated for her. I might even cry now. It was I know, just so I'm horrible. Cry. I'm like, oh. And I thought about, you know, mm. Like I'm not, I don't, I didn't tell my 14 year old the story of my, my mom. Right. I'm not going to like when she's older, if she asks or it comes up, I don't know how that stuff comes up, but, but it was, I'm 40 years old and 43 now, but I was 40 years old and I was still traumatized. I, felt it, yeah. I was like, oh. and my mom and I aren't very close because she'd been through so much as a young right. person. Her parenting showed a lot of that trauma. Yeah, reflected. Uh, so I can see it sort of keeps, it can keep passing down if you keep passing it down. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but, that was but here's, crazy. here's the other part of it is um, you experienced that trauma. As an adult. And it will, I mean, I mean, the story was one level of the trauma, but you experienced it in her disconnect or, you know, whatever happened because of undealt with trauma. And here's, yeah. Here's something that another analogy, because I love analogies, is trauma is very similar. It's like a car wreck, like the trauma you experience in a car wreck is so different. If somebody gets in a car wreck, the ambulance crew shows up and you've got these experts and everybody's like right on it. They're helping and healing and re like not re rehab and rehab. Okay. Yeah. Um, and physical therapy and all that stuff versus somebody when gets in a car wreck and nobody shows up. You know, that damage is done and the way it shapes the person from that point on is drastically different mm -hmm. than if, you know, yeah. it had been- Well, their foundation is, is morphed and now yeah. everything that grows from it is grown from the morph, not from who they were before. Absolutely. Yeah. She wanted to be a nun. Oh, I can, I can only imagine. Yeah. So it's like pretty awful, crazy stuff. So um, that was a dark turn. So know, now, right? <laughs> uh, but but I, th I think though, that's sort of the point, right? Is you're trying to avoid the dark turn, like remembering that yeah. they're little grapes and they don't, they don't even get it. Even if something did happen to them, they don't, they're not processing it the freak out way we are. Right. Right. Here's, here's the other, here's the flip side to this though. Um, 
um, is that, sorry, my hair is tickling me. Ooh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, when some, when, if there is abuse, there's legitimate serious abuse, it, you cannot just assume that they won't remember it. If they're really little or anything like that, they're, do not write it off as I don't wanna bring it up or they won't remember, they weren't verbal during that time. Um, their body remembers that. It's so it's like no one showing up to the car wreck. It's like nobody showing up to the car wreck and nobody acknowledging that you ever got into a car wreck in the first place, but yet you feel like your body- Everything hurts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have, you have these issues inside of you and there's no explanation and it takes a lifetime to uncover the possibility that you were abused, you know? Yeah, for sure. So don't, so, don't cover it up. So great advice. So I'll just repeat it, which, cause it was amazing is, um, first is just collect data, write it down, including how you're feeling. And um, the second was, you know, don't interrogate your kids. <laughs> you don't be asked them questions. And the third was like, you know, connect them with a play therapist so they can help, um, process through it. And so, um, those are all, I'm going to add one more. Yeah. You need to go into therapy too. There you go. Because you were triggered and you need to know how to handle the situation here on out, because I've been doing this for years. It takes a lot of special knowledge to understand how to handle that in a way that doesn't continue shame, that doesn't continue the trauma and doesn't make this people call up their friends and, and all of a sudden it's a community issue. No, it's a family issue. And you're going to deal with the professionals, Susie down the street, unless she's a sexual abuse prevention expert or whatever, doesn't know what to do. You need to get a therapist. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Yeah, good. No. And I think it's great. You're standing for something and you're, you're sharing your perspective on that. Um, so if we want to help to raise little mavericks, right, and, and help them stay safe, shame-free, and innocent, um, how can they find the resources and tools and support that seems to be something that you are able to offer? What, what does that look like? So if you want to connect with me, I have a couple different ways you can go about it. How to Raise a Maverick is my podcast. But if you just Google how to raise a maverick, my stuff is going to come up. If you can go to howtoraisemaverick.com, that'll, that's kind of the, the portal that'll link you to all of it. Young, Wild, and Safe is my abuse prevention course. So if you go to ywsedu.org, um, that's the course. But on the How to Raise a Maverick website, on that front, I've got a, uh, it's a digital lockdown and I've got um, age-appropriate behaviors. You know, there's a couple resources on there that are super helpful. And also on Facebook, we have the Maverick Parents group. Connect on there. And I'm obsessed with answering people's questions. I can't help it. So connect there. And if you have anything specific, and of course, if you need some advice, don't call Susie, call me, reach out mm -hmm. to me or somebody else that has the expertise. It'll make your life a hundred percent easier because this stuff just, 
explodes as soon as your community knows about it. Everybody's got ideas and thoughts and triggers that are going to add to your personal trauma trying to navigate it. Yeah, I would I I appreciate that very much. And we'll make sure that in the show notes we include all those resources so that if um, any parents are trying to uh, navigate this scary space, they don't have to do it alone. That's right. So any parting words you'd like to share with the audience, Emily? Um, you know, I, I want parents to know that our world is a really amazing, amazing place. And I'm a free range parent and I teach, I hear about sexual abuse all the time empower your kids and let them go ride their bikes to a friend's house. Let them experience life. I think it's Paulo Paulo Coachello wrote. um, Anyways, he he has a quote called, um, (laughs) ah, I'm failing. I had too much coffee. Um, He has a quote (laughs) that says, a boat is safe in a harbor, but that's not what it was meant to be or do. But that's what our kids aren't meant to be in lockdown. Yeah. Lock down your devices yeah. and send your kids outside. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's great advice. So your, your parting words are lock out, lock the electronics up, but let the kids run. Yes. Kick them I outside, go outside, play, get dirty, skin your knees, go to friends' houses and be educated and empowered on how to protect yourself from abuse. That's how we do it. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Emily, for taking the time. I know you're in the middle of like a move and all kinds of exciting things in your life. So we really appreciate it. And um, hey, we'll keep in touch. And if, if a book or something comes out someday, we'd definitely love to hear about it. I'm working on it. Awesome. All right. Thanks so much, Emily. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.